This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Good evening and welcome to the 1912 Exiles podcast, the only Newport County podcast made by the fans for the fans. Did you miss us? Uh, We hope you had a fantastic Christmas, that Santa brought you everything you wanted, that you enjoyed our Christmas special episode and that you are feeling suitably refreshed. We promised you a wrap up episode to discuss the three festive fixtures. So here we are. Uh, I'm Ed. I'm joined tonight by the 1912 Exiles OG, Mr. Reese Warren. Good evening, Reese. Good evening. How are you doing? Yeah, not bad. Did you get what you wanted for Christmas, Reese? Yes, I um, really wanted a new hat, uh, and that is exactly what I got. The wife smashed it out of the park and got the exact one I wanted. Good stuff. You are a, you're a man easily pleased with a festive hat. First up, we need to talk about the disappointment of that away defeat at Wrexham on the 23rd of December, which feels like a long time ago already. Um, There was an awful lot of excitement and anticipation in the build-up to that one, but the game itself was probably one to forget for County fans. Our roving reporter for that day was the man, the legend, Amberani. So let's hear his match diary. Over to you, Arnie. Greetings, exiles. Arnie here with the latest instalment from League Two North. Uh, I'm sure I don't need to tell you who it is that we're playing this weekend, Uh, For the third time this season, we're turning left off the M6, but this time heading into North Wales. Uh, A bit of a late call-up off the bench for me. Uh, Definite surprise, because my form hasn't been great this season. Lost the previous twice that I've done this. So I guess this is the last chance of redemption, or I'll get relegated to doing slots on Ellis James's Feast of Football, or call Rob. A bit of a different routine for me this week. Uh, Not for the first time. I've come early. Uh, me, Mrs Arnie and Minnie Arnie, uh, uh, we're living the dream. We've come as an advance party for a weekend in Chester. Uh, so if you've not been, I'd say it's very nice. Lots of history about, street loads of buildings modelled on the Murringer. Uh, and an amphitheatre that's supposed to be the biggest in Britain, except that some idiot has uh, built over half of it 
which to my mind makes it far inferior to our small but perfectly formed one at Killian. So uh, the other thing about Chester is really convenient for getting in, uh, over the other side of the border. So we reckon we're about 15 minutes away on the train. Uh, but most importantly, there's hardly any North Walian woolly backs about uh, around this side of the border uh, to spoil things. So uh, my, my prep's been perfect. So as you say, we travelled up early. Uh, we've had an Indian, had a couple of beers to help me sleep. Uh, and I'm off for an early night, ready for the big day tomorrow. Feels a bit like Christmas Eve when you're a kid. Uh, so you're hoping that Santa brings us something really good tomorrow. Uh, and definitely hoping it's not just going to be a piece of coal. Uh, all right, well, we'll uh, see you at the far post and safe travels to all you exiles. Yeah. Greetings, exiles. So we've made it to Wrexham. Uh, I haven't cleared this with the guys back at 1912 Exiles Towers, but if we were introducing uh, a new one-word weather feature, then uh, blustery would definitely be how I would describe Wrexham. It's nice and sunny, it's a bit chilly, definitely pretty windy. Uh, how's it feeling? So... Uh, energetic I would say there are loads and loads of county fans about loads and loads of Wrexham fans around uh, we're kind of concentrated a little bit in a couple of pubs called the Ironworks and the Old Swan big kind of heavy police presence so I reckon all leave has been cancelled but Ed the policeman and the NWPD are probably expecting to have a pretty busy day next stop definitely the race course we'll, we'll we'll pick up with you up there but from my perspective a couple of little things so uh it definitely feels like people are pretty enthusiastic and uh yeah expectant i would say in terms of what what we might get out of today's game uh i expect us to go pretty attacking uh, we're not going to stop them from scoring i doubt but we'll be really trying hard i expect us to go with a big three guns up front uh, and basically yeah, expecting Coco to go with a bit of an attitude of better to live one day as a lion than a lifetime as a mouse. Uh, so we'll see you at the far post. Next stop, the race course, which has to be the uh, stupidest name for a football ground that I've ever heard. See you there. OK, so we're in the ground. First impressions. Uh, we better do some formalities. We better do floodlight watch. So they look like it's been really windy and they're a bit wonky. So they've got a nice little diamond kind of... Uh, array of lights at the top but they're just like they bent over at uh, half halfway up their mast and could fall over any time uh, for those familiar with the race course as i say the most inappropriately named football ground in the world uh, but you've got this funny stand right opposite us where it gets a bit higher in the middle and then tapers away to the sides we've got uh, home fans in kind of a probably a 30 row uh, stand behind and then you've now got this the, the, the big temporary stand that they've made such a big deal about so if anybody's kind of uh, familiar with Old Trafford, when they put the big uh, kind of happy stand up there for, for, for big events at Old Trafford for the football, uh, for the cricket, uh, it's a bit like that. It does look very temporary. Uh, there's no covering on it. Yeah, glad we're not sat in there. Uh, we're happy just tucked away in one corner at the end of uh, opposite the funny wave-shaped stand. Pitch looks great. Uh, first impressions in terms of team. Uh, yeah, people are a little bit non-plus, really. We're not quite sure who's going to play it right back. Uh, but we'll have to see how we're working that out. Uh, not unexpected that we've gone for a really attacking option up front. Uh, looks like uh, Benno's going to be playing the Benno Bauer role at the, at, at the back because Matty Baker, country files Matty Baker, is on the bench. Uh, so, yeah, just really interested to see how we actually uh, shape up. But pretty clear we're trying to play. We're, gonna, we're going at this about scoring more goals for, uh, than them as opposed to us conceding less. Uh, yeah, here we go. Uh, see you on the far side and we'll check in as we're going along through the game.
Upper County. It would be fair to say that the Amber Army are a pretty good voice here. Bit of a surprise, I suppose, for it still to be nil-nil at half-time. No one's expecting that to be the full-time result. There's probably goals all over the place. But uh, County, really, really good value for that. Uh, I thought they did a really good job of keeping uh, Mullin and Lee quiet up front. Mullin's just... Uh, just All he's been left to do is just uh, fall over and try to win penalties. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. Hopefully the refs uh, kind of wises up to that. And we had some really good periods of the game where we put some real pressure on. Just couldn't quite get a clean strike away. Uh, just in terms of the stadium, got a report in. Uh, worst organised toilet I've seen in a long time. Uh, you know, you'd have thought they weren't expecting to have a big crowd in today. But it looks like everybody's kind of managed to sort themselves out. So people getting back in their places. Let's hope County can do the same. And I still fancy us to nick one here. Uh, OK, see you at the far post. There we have it, uh, 64th minute, felt pretty inevitable, wind beginning to play an increasing factor in the game, we haven't been able to keep Wrexham off here, uh, and we haven't been able to keep hold of the ball, so James Jones eventually turns in a scrappy one from a, a long Bentoza throw, uh, backs against the wall, we're going to have to really go for it now, going to be tough to get anything I think. Last roll of the dice for us, probably. So we brought Payne on for Seb Palmer Holden to put Will Evans up top, see if he can be a bit more of a handful. But we haven't caused him a problem yet. OK, so 87th minute. Uh, long throw that we shouldn't really have conceded. Uh, it looked a bit inevitable. They, if, if anything, it looked like they were always the side that was more likely to get a second. Bad day at the office. Uh, tried really hard, but we haven't really caused a threat second half. And it's been a bit one-way traffic. So there we have it. Uh, difficult to argue that uh, Wrexham didn't deserve that. Uh, in the end, we were probably clinging on to uh, to even keep it to two. Uh, I suppose good things to look at there. Anything that we got from the game was going to be a bonus for us. Uh, probably more important for us to think about getting points at, against uh, the F, the G, and the R on uh, on Boxing Day. We've got to beat Sutton as well three from three losses wise for me so I'll just take my P45 uh, and I'll go off and call Rob uh, safe travels home to exiles have a great Christmas Nadolly Clowen and uh, we'll see you on Boxing Day and keep it county great stuff uh, our thanks to Arnie for taking one for the team and logging what turned out to be not the most enjoyable day but um yeah appreciate as always arnie's uh efforts and eventually he will get an away victory to report on for us this season reese realistically i think most of us went into that game against wrexham more in hope than expectation of coming back down south with any points but it was probably the manner of the defeat that stuck in graham copland's crawl two goals conceded from long throws. How how harsh do you think we need to be on ourselves after that? Um, well, I think we had opportunities in the first half. And when you play these good teams, uh, which Wrexham are, you've got to take your chances when they come. If we would taken one of those chances in the first half, gone up, gone in 1-0 up at the break, we would have stood a, a much better chance of getting something out of the game. Uh, we we always anticipated that they'd come at us second half um, with it at nil-nil. Uh, so I think a point still would have been a good result. I don't think, as you said, we actually expected to get anything out of the game, but at least it wasn't a total drubbing. You know, there's, there was fans talking about four or six nils because they batter everyone else. So why wouldn't they batter Newport? 
so at least at least it wasn't a, a, a drub in. Um, I think we gave a good account of ourselves. I think Cochrane's rightly um, disappointed in the manner of the goals that we've conceded as well. But ultimately, it wasn't a game that we expected to get much out of. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think it's a shame in some ways that the fixture calendar threw it out that way round, that we had to go to Wrexham before Wrexham had to come to County. I think it would have been a lot more interesting if the first meeting between the two this season had been at Rodney Parade. But as it was, we went into that first meeting for you know, a very long time, first league meetings, only for 10 years, with them expecting to win, us expecting probably to uh, to lose. And yeah, it just kind of shaped the the day. I mean, also because the two teams have got such different ambitions for this season, uh, I guess it, it wasn't a game that was played on sort of level terms, you know, despite it being a, a, a league match. So yeah, it's it's just one of those. Hopefully, we can give a better account of ourselves in the return fixture um, in in late January. But yeah, let's maybe move on to Boxing Day. I wasn't there; I was on um, in laws duty. But you were there, Reese, in the Bisley, along with a uh, crewmate from the nineteen twelve Exiles, Jamie. So, first up, was it a good festive atmosphere? Well, we had a, a pretty sizable crowd, four and a half thousand. Not too many um, Forest Green fans, as usual, because they don't have many. <laughs> And it was nice for us to have a big crowd for a change where we actually won our game. As for the game itself, it obviously started to unravel quite quickly after conceding those um, two relatively early goals before County turned it around. Now, from the outside, it looked like the sending off was a turning point. But Coco seemed to think that things actually changed when we replaced Baker with Palmer Holden after 39 minutes. And so from your point of view, was it a question of Coco? being surprised by an opponent's tactics, like, you know, we surprised Stockport a few weeks back and then changing things early on to address it. What was your kind of reading of that? Mainly that the back three that we went with just seemed really disconnected and it it wasn't really a surprise to see Baker taken off. He, uh, he He looked off the pace for whatever reason. Delaney let a player just stroll by him for the second, like just didn't acknowledged that he'd made a run past him. Um, it should have been 3-0 at half-time, apart from an t- outstanding Townsend save. Yeah, we looked we looked okay with the ball, like going forward, getting into the final third. We looked all right, even, even after conceding early, but we looked like we'd concede every time um, Forrest Green came forward. And we were sat in the stands saying it had shades of the 6-0 from a few years ago, where Forrest Green scored with every shot they had. I'd agree with um, Coughlin's assessment that uh, change with Seb coming on was was the start of the turnaround. Um, start of the second half, we had much better tempo. Lewis Payne was uh, he was running at their fullback, who was already on a yellow, which is what resulted in the sending off. And then we worked the extra man really well. We worked it. Um, we made the pitch as wide as possible. We played with a nice high tempo, um, and they were just unable to cope. And uh, that second half, Payne was absolutely outstanding. Yeah, I mean, again, you know, I'm I'm kind of watching for a distance, but it, it looked as though we managed to play ourselves back into it and exploited a team with a lack of discipline and a, a lack of quality and then, yeah, kind of made the most of it. Forest Green would probably feel like that's a game that got away, as any team would who would tune it up. But, you know, we, we played ourselves back into it. We did take advantage of that. The, the sending off obviously had an impact, but they were all well-worked goals. The The pain one was kind of fortunate where it, it looked to be more of a cross and it's just floated over the goalkeeper. Um, but they were all all relatively well-worked goals, apart from Delaney's goal, which was 
just a goal line scramble and he's he's got yeah. the last touch and prodded it in but the other the other three goals we scored were were well worked so yeah it's definitely a, definitely a case of our play getting us back into that one there are some games where the performance really matters and obviously in front of a big crowd you want to put on a good display and everything else but actually that game and you know against Sutton next monday it is all about the result ultimately if we can put Three point three extra points between us and Forest Green, three extra points between us and Sutton, then that's massive in the context of the season. And equally important, you know, obviously coming from 2-0 down to win 4-2 is a really good short-term psychological boost for us. But the reverse is true for Forest Green and probably has a longer-term impact, you know, long-term. Go, knowing that you've gone to another team in the bottom half, been 2-0 up and thrown it away, I think that sort of thing sticks with you for quite a long time and will really hurt them yeah it's probably put a pin in their new manager bounce as well hasn't it um yeah. you know they probably Dini's just taken charge I think that was his first game so obviously he was probably thinking this management lark is easy after about 20 minutes they do look look a team short on confidence like they've still got some good players in that side yeah, yeah. look at the likes of like Matty Stevens he was competing with Telford for the uh, golden boot wasn't he yeah. a couple of years ago so they've got good players in that side and I expect them to spend in January as well as they always do they spent a lot in the summer and it's not got them anywhere. You know, like this is this is why football is great is because actually it's not about how much you spend. It's about how wisely you spend it. You know, Graham Copeland spent a fraction of what Forrest Green did. Yeah, but obviously when you've got money, some teams in the in the bottom few last season did the same thing, didn't they? They went and spent money Gillingham. and that, that, that dragged them out in the end, didn't it, of, of that relegation fight. So it's a nice luxury to have if you're in that situation to have money to spend if if it were us, bottom of the league at Christmas, we'd be staring down the barrel of having no money to spend and having to make the best of what we've got. Forest Green could come back at us, but I think that that gave us a 12-point cushion over them. Um, I didn't see how they got on um, on Friday. They lost at Swindon, West Country Derby. So, you know, that's, a, again, another point that we've gained on them with our draw. Um, and, yeah, Sutton lost as well. Yeah, so, you know, just continuing to to build that gap on the on the bottom two we're not mathematically safe but i definitely think um we've got a cushion that we should be satisfied with if we can maintain um, between now and the end of the season and and tactically were there any kind of big learning points for you from that forest green match i'm not sure whether it was tactically that cost us it just looked like a few players were off the pace i know we had changed shape back to um five at the back, which we hadn't been doing for the previous couple of games um, where we'd been going f- with the three up top. Um, so maybe maybe that they hadn't had time to drill that change in shape enough. It was good that the fight that got us back into it, really. Um, Seb looked well up for it when he came on. I think he probably deserved a goal. He was really getting himself about. He just wasn't quite getting on the end of chances. The Evans one went past Seb's head and onto Evans's knee before going in. But, you know, Will Evans keeps scoring, doesn't he? He's up to 17 for the season now. now. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, third highest scorer in the fourth division. You know, rumours are starting to kind of circulate. I mean, if there's not interest for him, I'd be surprised given how well he's done. But it's, you know, are people going to put their money where their mouth is and meet our valuation of him? And, you know, until until we get there, who knows, I suppose. So, yeah, I mean, talking about Will Evans scoring goals, I guess that brings us on to the final game of the trilogy. In many ways, it's probably the most forgettable performance out of the three. The the draw last night to to crew. Coming away from the ground, I think I was probably happy enough with the point. It was one of those, 
both sides played well for a few spells, then both sides played poorly for a few spells. There were moments of fatigue, moments of sloppiness, but a few moments of quality as well from both teams. And, you you know, you can make a case that Crew might have come away with all three points if they pressed home their advantage, but you could also make the case that County looked the more likely to nick it at the end. So I, it felt to me as though a, a point was a, a good reflection. I saw that Sean from the uh, the Newport County Thoughts blog was angry that we didn't give a better account of ourselves against a side who were on a poor run of form. And I can understand that. But form's never definitive. If we read too much into the form guide, we'd never have got three points against Stockport. So it can kind of cut both ways, I think. And I don't know, I just felt it was another point on the board for us against a side who are currently in eighth. And so on paper, that's not a bad result at all. Cochrane seemed to suggest that fatigue was a big part of... Um the result with both sides kind of lacking the the cutting edge to to take control of the game completely. Uh, do you think fatigue over you know the sheer number of fixtures we've had over the Christmas period? We're working with a smaller squad, players coming back from injury as well. No Bogle as well yesterday. Do you think that yeah. that's kind of a reflection of the game? Well, I mean, yeah, the Bogle thing was interesting because the rumour mill, again, was in in full flow when uh, he wasn't in the starting 11 or on the bench. I mean, I think, I can't remember whether it's you or or Jamie, but, you know, someone said he'd gone off towards the end against Forest Green looking um, as though something was was up. And so, you know, whether it was that or a recurrence of that 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 ruled him out. But, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely changes how we play without Bogle. I thought more generally that, yeah, there was, like I say, some moments of tiredness and, and sloppiness that I think all teams get that at, at this time of year. You know, it's not just the sheer number of games and injuries, but, you know, everyone's got sniffles and colds and, you know, that affects pro footballers as much as it affects the rest of us. And, you know, no one's feeling their best as you're at this kind of back end of the year. I guess, you know, we are slightly more vulnerable to it because it's a smaller squad. Although, I mean, interestingly, and I think it was true in the Forest Green game as well, it was the real kind of learning point for me that, you know, just like against Forest Green, the equilibrium in the game swung our way after a a relatively early pair of substitutions. Well, you know, early for Coco anyway. We had Wait and Bonswell come on um, after 65 minutes, I think it was. And, you know, the Argus made the point that although Wait's not physically imposing, he does tend to make an impact from the bench. Um, He had, let me see, 23 touches in his half hour compared to Harry Charles, who had 29 in an hour. Scott Bennett had 49, Bryn Morris 68 over the course of 90 minutes. So, you know, in terms of the time he was on the pitch, Waite's introduction made a a big sort of impact in the game. He had more shots than any county player except for Will Evans. You know, all right, stats don't tell the whole tale, but he's never just a passenger when he comes on, James Waite. He's always trying to force the issue and trying to impose himself. You know, same with Bonswell. He showed a real attacking intent so I guess to kind of come back to your question you know squad size is a problem but maybe we could be shaking off the shackles a little bit more using some of the attacking options we've got from the bench even if they've got limitations just so we're kind of asking different questions of opponents and and having that fresh pair of legs I think sometimes we put we put a little bit too much value on experience um, and physicality and perhaps not enough on just throwing a bit of a surprise in there for opponents. I think that was probably true against Forest Green as well, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Going back to that Forest Green game, I think Bogle took a nasty knock to his ankle in the second half um, and he he looked to be struggling with that for a while. So I don't know whether that's 
that's the injury that forced him off. And of course, Wildig had a Christmas Day illness. Mm. Um, so that that kept him outside the side because there was a few um, few people around us going asking the questions why he uh, he wasn't in the side at all on uh, Boxing Day. But obviously, that was cleared up by Cochran after that. It was just just an illness. I've said before that I'm a fan of weight. That I think he brings an injection of something. His work rate is high. I think he's he carries the ball nicely. He's got good vision. I think if he were five inches taller and yeah. a bit stronger, you know, we'd have a heck of a player on our hands. But you know, at League Two, players have limitations. That's we always say it. That yeah. you know, if they didn't have limitations, but, they wouldn't be playing at this level. If you're an attacking midfielder, that's what you've got to do is try and get a shot away, try and play a killer pass. You know, the the sideways ball is always the easiest, but it's not actually the thing that often makes makes a difference. So um That's exactly what we um we got in years past when we had your likes of Ali Cooper in the side who he was direct, he was creative, and you know, Cooper's not particularly physical, but fantastic player and you know, if someone offered him to you again or Finazaz, you <laughs> You bite their hand off, wouldn't you? Yeah. Well, this this brings us quite neatly, actually, onto questions from um, listeners. We only had a couple of people get in touch, but there were some good questions. So, Ollie, friend of the pod, um, and I think our likely reporter from Sutton on Monday um, asked if you could add any past county player to the current squad, which player would it be and why? Um, now, it's tempting to refer Ollie to our Christmas special, where, of course, we put together a Frankenstein's monster of attributes from our best players um, and say, yeah, we'll just pick the monster. But um, what did you come up with for, for this, Reese? So I felt like we've lacked a bit of depth down the left-hand side, mm-hmm. especially with Adam Lewis injured. So um, I'd probably say Dan Butler. We put Dan Butler into this current side. Well, he's class, isn't he? So he'd have an impact. Yeah, that's a that's a nice one. For me, I think we've made huge strides forward in midfield under Coco. I think Charlesley and, and Morris have both provided a really steadying influence, although I think Harry Charlesley's yet to quite recover his form um, since the injury, although I'm sure he will do. Um, but I was thinking about this, and I reckon Joss Labadee in his prime would really help to get the best out of the players um, around him in the team, that little bit more bite and, and physicality and an ability to boss the game a bit more. Um, and then, you know, you could drop in a, a James Waite or whoever next to him and, uh, you know, use the space a bit. So, um, yeah, th- those were our answers to that one. Um, the other person who got in touch was, uh, yeah, James Oliver House. Uh, he asked a few questions, but... Um, Let's start with what should we expect from the rest of this season? So what do you reckon, Reese? Like um, if the, the, the target obviously was survival, and as you've already alluded to, we're kind of on good track for that. What do you then say to the players in terms of making sure they keep their eye on the ball? Um, so I think, still think the, the goal for this season, season is to try and just maintain a, a steady pace of picking up points you know, I don't think we're going to make a charge for the playoffs, but equally, I don't think we're going to get dragged into a relegation race. I think what we should be able to do is if we have a finish in the, the bottom half that is comfortably away from the relegation places, you can go into the summer going, right, this is our platform. We've got players who are perfectly good at this level. I've been really impressed with uh, McLaughlin yeah. this season. I think I think he's more than just a steady away uh, League Two player. He seems to look really good 
no matter he's played a variety of positions for us, but he seems to do well in all of them. He scored some screamers. So you've got your players like that. You've got um, Delaney at the back. We've kind of built a new core of players who are on these two-year deals who should be with us again next season. And they're who you could, you need to look to. And this is, this is where we are now. We're going to put pieces around this to try and progress next season, hopefully with a bit more investment once the takeover is all confirmed. And, you know, next season, we want to go a bit further. We're, we're kind of at a point where we've been forced to reset what we're doing. And I think this this is our foundation now or our springboard into what we want to accomplish um, in the next five years. Yeah. I also think the FA Cup is, you know, really important this season. You know, let's not forget last year, Grimsby were a kind of bang average side in the fourth division, got to the quarterfinals. And, you know, that gave the gave the club a real kind of momentum. It gave them a good, you know, hefty bonus in their in their bank balance. Yeah, we've got a really good chance to get into the fourth round. Um, you know, maybe get a big boy, maybe cause a, an upset. And we saw, we've seen before that, you know, having a good cup run or a couple of good cup runs can really galvanise a team, galvanise a club, start to attract players to you because you're you're getting mentioned for all the right reasons. So I would really love to see us, you know, let's get past Eastley and that's not going to be an easy game. Um, but then let's really try and get as far as we can and um, yeah, get ourselves re-established as a, a side who can cause a few shocks. Uh, the other question that um, I'll, I'll give you from James was, who should we be looking to add in January? And I know we're always reluctant on here to kind of engage in the rumour mill, but you know, what's one or two realistic names who you would like to see us try and go in for? I don't know what, what really constitutes realistic because we have no idea kind of what room we've got in the in the budget I think there will be some players who depart. Bonswell's come back into favour a little bit, but he seemed to be out of favour for a little while. Um, so I'm wondering whether he'll have a return back to his parent club. Um, will Dig has not really been in and around the squad for a little while. He's been in and out with injuries. And in a small squad with a limited budget, you can't afford passengers. So if he's only going to be available for 15 games a season, then you know maybe we need to go and find someone who can be available for 25, 30 um, so those are kind of names who I think could be at risk at departing. I think there's positions we'd like to strengthen. I, I wonder if our depth at left back, I think, is kind of a concern. But we've got Adam Lewis returning and maybe striker. I don't know. If someone's going to come in for any of the players we've currently got under contract, I mean, we've already mentioned Evans will be attracting interest. I wouldn't be at all surprised if Seb Palmer Holden is also on the radar of, of some clubs who are looking at him and thinking there's a player kind of coming of age. So it may be a question not of adding to the strikers we've got, but potentially trying to bring someone in to replace them. So that was the sort of challenge that I set myself of like, who would be the sort of striker we might want to come in either as an addition or to replace if, if we had someone going out. And um, I've said on here before, I, I watch uh, Oxford United two or three times a season because of family connections. Um, they're likely to strengthen up front in, in the window. And if they did, that would leave surplus to requirements. A young striker they've got called uh, Gatlin O'Donka. What a name. Um, who I would put in the Seb Palmer Holden sort of mould, you know, quick, strong. Um, he's had quite a good number of sub appearances for them and has scored a few goals, but needs to get a more regular run in a side. Um, and if he's available on loan, which I expect he will be, I think that would be a cracking addition to us and be a good fit for the sort of player that we need and we'd be a good fit for the sort of team that he needs to go to. So, you know, probably won't happen and it's me spitballing an idea. But um, if you were to ask me for a name of someone I'd love to see, then then there's there's one to throw into the mix. So, um, yeah, 
so we've hopefully answered James's uh, question. Let me throw another question at you, which is your player of the pod, Reese. I'd probably go with Payne. He was absolutely outstanding against Forest Green. I text, I put in the WhatsApp group, welcome to the Lewis Payne show, because he was um, absolutely <laughs> tearing apart the uh, opposition fullback. And then he scored his goal. And I was like, well, I don't need to say that again, do I? Um, yeah, he was fantastic. And um, it's nice to see a wing back attacking the opposite number. And he looked really, really good um, going forward and doing that. So, yeah, that was that was good to see. I think he's been excellent. Yeah, I pain for me as well. I mean, every summer we sign untested academy lads from the higher leagues and every year we say, oh, it'll be December before they really hit their stride. And it's a real joy when you actually see it happen. It's a bit like when you teach your kid to ride a bike. You know, there's a moment when you take your hand away um, and see that they can do it. They can really do it by themselves and all the patience pays off. And I sort of feel like we've seen that recently with Seth Palmer Holden. We're seeing it now with uh, with Lewis Payne. You know, he's getting that balance between attack and defence about right. He's swinging good crosses, using his pace, being a really good kind of all-round uh, performer. So, yeah, same same for me. Shout-outs and beefs? Uh, no beefs from me. Two shout-outs. One, it was nice to meet uh, Jamie in person for the first time after doing a podcast with him for <laughs> the last however many years. I actually met him in person on Boxing Day. And secondly, maybe the photographers listened to the podcast. They did not sit in front of the um, clocks at the Forest Green game. Excellent. Oh, like, that's a, my that's one-man good... campaign is obviously uh, paid off. Fantastic. Uh, right, I've got uh, I've got a beef. My heart sank a little bit. I was following that Forest Green Rovers game online, um, seeing some of the comments of some of our kind of so-called fans when things go against us. You know, when you're at the game... People tend to be more reasonable, um, but online there's there's just a lot of like dopey kids who could do with engaging their brains before posting. You know, I genuinely think there are some people who would have preferred for us to have lost that game um, than to have been proved wrong. Like, I'm not saying every post has to be unalloyed positivity because God knows some of our stuff can be a bit morose, but like have a bit of humour or levity to it or at least kind of articulate it a bit better. Um, but more on the plus side, I did see the... <laughs> One of, one of the very worst accounts got suspended last week. So there's a happy ending. Um, uh, shout outs. I've got a really, really big shout out. Um, my youngest was uh, mascot last night against crew. First time we've done that. Um, I wasn't quite sure what to expect, but uh, the club did a superb job um, of, of that. There were two lads who were mascots yesterday. They were both given proper VIP treatment, full tour of the ground. They sat in the dugout, toured the changing room, met the players, walked out with the teams. It was just really well done. Um, particular shout outs to David Pipe, first of all, who got my lad putting out bottles of water for the players in the dressing room, made a real fuss of him. It was just um, a, a real gent. Uh, Coco for breaking off writing on his tactics board to have a little chat, uh, which was great. And the players were fantastic. He had a really long chat with Nick Townsend, Will Evans, Nathan Wood. Uh, he was with Ryan Delaney leading the teams out. They couldn't have been kinder. Um, so, yeah, that was lovely. And all the club staff and the volunteers were brilliant too, including Spitty the Dog. So um, if you have ever wondered about doing a mascot package for your kids, for a family friend, for a niece or a nephew, whatever, um, do it because County do it really, really well. And it was um, a really lovely end to uh, the year. So, yeah, a huge shout out to all of them. Um, any other business from you, Reese? Um, no, other than wishing everyone a, a happy new year and hopefully three points against Sutton. Yep, absolutely. We will be back 
sometime in the middle of the next week, um, ideally we will have uh, Ollie's match diary or thoughts on the Sutton game. We've also got a special guest interview ahead of uh, Eastley at home in the Cup. I won't spoil it, but um, I recorded it this morning. It's a real cracker and well worth listening out for. So make sure you are subscribed wherever you get your podcasts from so you don't miss it. But until then, look after yourselves, look after each other. And as always, keep it counting. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.